Welcome everyone, you're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I am Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hi. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hey yo, what up? Oh. oh. No. Fired already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright guys, I'll see you later. <laughs> I'll spat out my Really out on this one. <laughs> on this week's episode, we are going to cover the jukebox musical, Moulin Rouge. Woo! Woo! This show is based on the 2001 film of the same name. We are covering the Broadway version, but both the album from the show and from the movie will be on our Spotify playlist, which will be in the show notes as usual, because there is a couple song differences there. And because we've never covered a jukebox musical before, let's go ahead and talk about what that actually means. And Kylie, if you wouldn't mind reading the description of what a jukebox musical is, that'd be great. A jukebox musical is a staged musical or musical film in which a majority of the songs are well-known popular music songs rather than original music. Many jukebox musicals confine themselves to songs performed by one singer or band or songs written by one songwriter. In such cases, the plot is often a biography of the artist or artists in question. In other jukebox musicals, the plot is purely fictional. For musicals about a musician or a musical act, some of the songs can be diegetic, meaning that they are performed within a world of the play or film. Works in which all of the music is diegetic, however, such as a biographical film about a singer who is at times shown performing their songs are generally not considered jukebox musicals. Yeah, so it's kind of a, an interesting um, format, Format, but yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. You don't see it super often. Definitely works well, though. One of the most well-known jukebox musicals is, in our opinion at least, Mamma Mia, of course, which is great, which we will, of course, be covering in the future. For jukebox musicals with a fictional plot, one common approach is to center the plot around one or more fictional singers or musicians, thus letting some of the songs be performed as songs within the show. Yeah, so it's definitely a a very neat format. And this one does it very well, I think. Yes. And that's why we did mention that there is a difference between the film and the Broadway edition, because they have updated the songs that have come out with songs in the past 17 years. So let's go ahead and jump into a little bit of the background about the show. As we mentioned before, the show is based on the 2001 film with a book by John Logan. In 2002-2003, there was some speculation that a stage adaptation would possibly appear in Las Vegas. Probably without a splash zone. Aww. Hopefully. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> wah, wah. So close. So close. Unfortunately, nothing came of that claim anyway. In 2006, some sources claim that Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, the stars of the film, were approached by director Baz Luhrmann to star in the stage version. And nothing came of that claim either. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> However, in 2016, it was announced that Global Creatures was developing a stage musical to be directed by Alex Timbers. And this one actually did go someplace, so a workshop took place in 2017, starring Aaron Tveit, who we recently mentioned in our Next to Normal episode, and Karen Olivo. This test ran from October 30th until December 15th, so it had a pretty long test run. The show was scheduled to begin preview performances on June 27th, 2018 at the Emerson Colonial Theater in Boston, and it officially opened on July 10th, 2018. It was set to be completed on August 5th, 2018, but it was extended by 16 performances running through August 19th, so I guess they liked it. On November 19th, 2018, it was announced that it would open on Broadway at the Al Hirschfield Theater. Previews for this began on June 28th, 2019, and opening night was July 25th. This featured a cast of Aaron Tveit, Karen Olivo, Danny Burstein, San Gauja, Tam Muta, Ricky Raj, 
and Robin Herder. Beginning on March 12th, 2020, the production was suspended due to a... COVID! COVID! Wow! What? Who would have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> wow. We hate it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately the show is still pretty young, so it got it got shut down pretty pretty early on. Uh, also, unfortunately, producers mentioned that one of the performers had possible symptoms of the virus, and at least four performers contracted COVID. This also, unfortunately, included Aaron Tveit and Danny Burstein. It was originally planned to reopen on April 13th, 2020, but of course this changed because it, COVID didn't go anywhere. Womp womp. Womp womp. And it was extended to September 6th, 2020, but then was pushed back again to early 2021, and then again to fall of 2021. Fingers crossed. Eventually. Yes. Some point. So as of this point in time, we don't know for sure when this one will come back, but it will come back. And you can actually sign up for updates on its release at MoulinRougeMusical.com. So it is still functioning. They are still updating. So you can keep an eye out there. On September 19th, 2019, it was announced the musical would have a 10-week engagement in Chicago at the James M. Nederlander Theater beginning in December 2020. Because of COVID. Ooh. Wow. What? The tour will now kick off in February 2022. Jeez. So a Yikes. bit of a, a bit of a pushback. Yeah. It will appear at the James M. Nederlander Theater from February 26th to April 24th, 2022, and at the Orpheum Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota from May 18th to June 5th, 2022. The show was set to appear at the Piccadilly Theater in London in March 2021, but because COVID is still an issue, it has been delayed until further notice. Also at Melbourne's Regent Theater, it is set to open in August of this year, with tickets going on sale as early as February 11th, so keep your eye out for that. So the show did open to mixed reviews, but they did lean positively. So one review said, This is a show to make young feel mature and the old blissfully young again. I tend to agree. Yeah. And since this show opened in Boston, it qualified for the IRNE Awards, which stands for Independent Reviewers of New England. And this honors the best achievements in the Boston area of theater. That's a first for us, so that's pretty cool to learn. Pretty neat. And it actually won seven out of the 12 that it was nominated for, including Best New Musical and Best Musical. Which is super cool. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It has been nominated for a total of 14 Tony Awards, which is a lot. Yes. Uh, But those are currently pending for the 2020 season. That's good. It did win five Drama Desk Awards and one Drama League Award. And for the 2020 Outer Critics Circle Awards, they decided to extend their award system to allow for more honors bestowed in the light of the public health crisis. And so Moulin Rouge was actually an honoree for 11 categories. Yeah, which was pretty cool. So the way it was listed was these were listed as honorees instead of like wins or losses or nominated. So they were able to recognize more productions this way by making them honorees as opposed to like a hard a and fast winner. loss and yeah. So that was, I thought that was a pretty neat way to include more categories. Yeah, definitely. The cast recording was released digitally on August 30th, 2019. A CD version was released on October 25th, 2019. A vinyl version, because people do still use those, True. was released on December 13th, 2019. And the show got into the 2019 U.S. Billboard 200 charts at position 115. Which is wow. So it's on the chart. That's cool. Yeah. Now that some of that background is out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into Act 1, where we open on the Moulin Rouge, a cabaret club where all your dreams come true. 
It is in full swing under direction of Harold Zidler, flanked by four dancers, Nini, Baby Doll, Arabia, and La Chocolat. We are introduced to a young composer, Christian. He arrives at the Moulin Rouge with fellow bohemians, Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec, and Santiago the Argentinian. The money-motivated Duke of Monroth is introduced as well, and this all takes place in the seven-plus-minute song, mm -hmm. Welcome to the Moulin Rouge. It is trippy, and I love it. Yep. <laughs> big intro. It is a really big intro. Right before Zidler introduces the Moulin Rouge's sparkling diamond, Christian interrupts to tell a story about love and a woman named Satine. We are flashback to Christian arriving to the Montmartre district of Paris from England in 1899. This is where he meets Toulouse, Lautrec, and Santiago, who are attempting to create a play with songs in it. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> the two become impressed with Christian's musical and songwriting talents, and they ask for his help getting their show produced at the Moulin Rouge. The trio decide to celebrate the bohemian ideals of truth, beauty, freedom, and love in the song, Truth, Beauty, Freedom, Love. Great song, <laughs> hey, that's what they were just talking about. Oh my god. Holy cow. It all comes together. <laughs> oh my. Zidler introduces Satine in the song The Sparkling Diamond. After she performs for the club, Zidler prepares for her to meet and impress the Duke of Monroth. The hope is that he will invest in the club to save it from financial ruin. Ba -ba -ba. However, Satine mistakes Christian for the Duke. Toulouse, Lautrec, and Santiago distract Zidler from seeing Satine so the two can interact. Those are some good bros. Yeah, right? Wingman! Hell yeah. So, thinking she's dancing and speaking with the Duke, Satine invites Christian back to her dressing room in the elephant outside the club. Yes, it is shaped like an elephant. For reasons. For reasons. Why wouldn't you not want to have an uh, elephant-shaped room? I don't know. Well, I find the place. It looks like an elephant. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> You'll know when you see it. Yeah. Uh, and the song is Shut Up and Raise Your Glass. Arabia, Baby Doll, and La Chocolat share their worries with Satine backstage about the financial future of the Moulin Rouge. Nini expresses cynicism about its future, and Satine tries to maintain the group's morale. Afterwards, Zidler expresses how bad off the club is doing and stresses how important it is for Satine to impress the Duke. We are informed that Satine is suffering from consumption, aka tuberculosis, and that her condition is worsening. She resolves to stay strong for her colleagues and hide her health in the song Firework. Christian arrives in the elephant, hoping to impress Satine with his musical talent, where Satine is prepared to seduce him, still thinking he's the Duke. Seduce me! But then... Christian's true identity is revealed in your song, which I love that song. It's so. great. That's fair. Checklist. I didn't say it was my favorite. I just she thought just, I love it. She just likes it a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's not actually my favorite in the musical, so. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. We'll get there, okay? Because <laughs> I do have one. <laughs> the Duke interrupts them, and the two claim they were practicing for a new show, Bohemian Rhapsody. With Zidler's help. Christian, Satine, Toulouse-Lautrec, and Santiago pitch the show to the Duke. They improvise a plot about an evil gangster attempting to woo an, an ingenue who loves a poor sailor in the song So Exciting, the pitch song. So exciting. So the Duke decides to back the show. Goal accidentally achieved. <laughs> Zidler, of course, reminds Satine about her duty to keep the Duke happy for the sake of the Moulin Rouge. So she dismisses Christian from the elephant, and the Duke returns, and he and Zatine spend the evening together in the song. Bow, bow, wow. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the song, Sympathy for the Duke. In Montmartre, Toulouse Lautrec shares with Christian that he actually fell in love with Satine years ago when she was still living on the streets. 
He was too self-conscious at the time to share his feelings, but was impressed by her spirit. He urges Christian to return to her and confess his feelings for her, insisting, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And the song is Nature Boy. Christian goes back as a teen to convince her they should be together. Ah, She thinks he's crazy. Yep. But, you know, eventually falls for him as well. And the song is Elephant Love Medley. And this one is my favorite. That's your favorite? But from the movie, not the musical. Just because I'm more familiar with the one from the movie. The one from the musical, I think, is a lot longer, and obviously it has a lot more updated songs. Yes. So the one from the movie is my favorite song from Moulin Rouge. So there you go, Matt. Check it off your bingo card. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) But yeah, with that budding romance, we are into intermission. Ba-ba-ba! Ba-ba-ba-ba! Doot! That's our new intermission song. <laughs> just do it. I'm just going to make a new one every <laughs> week. <laughs> Basically. Different note. Just say, yeah, a different note on the scale. Ooh, listeners, if you are musically inclined, do you want to make us intro- or intermission music? That would be so funny. <laughs> Submit- just play new intermission music every week? Submit your intermission music. Yes. And we'll give you a shout out. Yeah. You can email us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com. I know it sounds like a critting, but please do. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would love that. That would be pretty great. But guys, what do we think about Act 1 so far? Saucy. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. It's pretty great. I mean, you got a, a stereotypical love at first sight. Yeah. Very quick romance, kind of, but it works, you know. There's nothing, like, super crazy going yeah. on with the story so far. Because no, a lot of the times... When we get to intermission, there's usually something, like, really tragic that happens, or, like, something that really yeah. shakes up the story. And this one's just kind of, they confess their love. Oh, okay, everybody's on board. Well, I mean, she does have tuberculosis, so that's kind of tragic. Yeah, but that wasn't, like, the ending kind of point. That's true. So, it's it's a pretty cool show. It's, again, a jukebox musical, so a lot of these medleys are songs you probably recognize. Yeah, and it's very bizarre to hear them in a storytelling manner, but I love it. It's a, it's a radio jam, and I'm yes. on the fence. You're on the fence, you said, Kylie. Yeah, I I don't know. I just don't like most of the songs that they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. She is the musical hipster, after all. It's definitely not one of those soundtracks that you can listen to and know the story. That's very true. Uh, so keep that in mind. That like this is great to listen to. Don't get me wrong. But you're not going to know what's going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. so if you have the soundtrack pulled up because we gave it to you in our show notes, listen along as we're talking about it and it'll make so much more sense. Yeah. Context. Yeah, so it, it is, if you don't know the story, you're not going to get it from the soundtrack. So definitely keep that in mind. It is a very good soundtrack. It's a lot of fun, especially if you know the songs that they're using. Yes. But again, probably read the story or obviously listen to us. You know, or go see it. That was, probably helps a lot. That's what I was going to say. This is definitely one, too, that I think works best seeing it. Yes. Um, just because there's... Like, yeah, it's a pretty simple plot line, but I think it's also acted out very, like, dramatically yes. when you watch it. At least, I haven't seen the stage production, but I've seen the movie. And it's like, everything's like a, oh my gosh, oh, big drama. And so Gasp. Like, yeah. And the movie, I mean, the movie's very, like, I don't know, it's like weirdly stilted and, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're high, but not. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird. But. It's wacky. That being said, it's not like your straightforward movie. Like, it's going to jolt you around a little bit, but it works. It's 
trippy. Because it's like, it's that odd format. So this is definitely a unique one, mm -hmm. but I think it's good. I'm a fan. Yeah, so so far it's sounding pretty good. It has a very basic uh, story set up so far. So uh, let's go into our theater facts. Kylie got a couple for us this week. Yep. So our show fact is the famous song Come What May was actually intended for the film William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. However, it was first heard publicly in the 2001 film Moulin Rouge. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't even written for Moulin Rouge. <laughs> interesting. Was that the, like, newer version of William Shakespeare's yeah, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, the um, one with... Uh, it's like modern day -ish. Leo? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That one, yeah. yeah. I also gotta say, quick point for the movie and the song, because it's currently playing in my head. Yes, always. Um, this is sung by Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan in the Star Wars films, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> um, and so, like, you, I don't know, like, I wouldn't have pictured him as a good singer, because I saw him in Star Wars first. Right. But, like, he's good. He does put a lot of emotion like, into he's, it. He's got a bit of a crooner, like, he mm -hmm. can belt some notes. Um, and so he sings this in the movie, Come On May, and it just, like, pours out and, like, ugh. That's yeah. <laughs> it always gets stuck in my head. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of actors actually have some pretty decent singing talent. They just yeah. aren't known for those roles. Yeah. So well, whenever it does come up, you're just like, huh? what? He oh. also played one of the one of the animated house pieces in the new Beauty and the Beast movie. Yes. I don't remember which one. Lumiere, maybe? He was Lumiere, yeah, because uh. Cogsworth was Ian McClellan. All right. Anyway, so, yeah. side, side Cool. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Continue, Kylie. And now for the theater fact. In 1673, Moliere, the French actor and playwright, suffered from pulmonary tuberculosis and died after being seized by a violent coughing fit while playing the title role in his play Le Malade Imaginaire, the hypochondriac. The superstition that green brings bad luck to actors is said to originate from the color of the clothing he was wearing at the time of his death. Yikes. I didn't know that green was bad. Yeah. That's nope. weird. Yeah, green green is like an omen color, but then blue and purple, I think, are bad because they were expensive at the time. So they're not... They I mean, made a taboo for yeah. it just to kind of... So they wouldn't spend so much money on it. <laughs> That's fair. Those are kind of more the royal colors. Yes. Royal. Okay, so before we jump into our act two, we do have a bit of a promotional tie-in. So we first want to say, we hit 1,500 downloads. Woo! Woo! Yeah, so we are really climbing up, and we really appreciate you guys for getting us up there. Those numbers are climbing every day, and we're super excited about it. The best way for you guys to help us increase those numbers is to share us with people that you know, which is word of mouth. And you can just, you know, tell anybody you know. Just shout it at them on the, on the street. It's fine. They'll be frightened, but it's okay. We welcome it. Hey! <laughs> Listen! Just point at them. Scream. Save me an aisle seat. Go do it. And they'll be very confused, too. <laughs> yes. So, uh, also, we do want to remind you, we do have merch now, which is super exciting. And you can find that at www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch. We did just add a new design, which is uh, titled Sad Boy Hours, so... <laughs> We say that a lot. A lot. So go look that up. And it, it's on like t-shirts and hoodies and things. So we're excited to have that one on there. As far as our social media, we have Upped Our Game. We still have our Twitter, which of course we are most active on, which you can find us at Save an Isle Seat there. We also have a Facebook page, which you can just find under Save Me an Isle Seat. Also an Instagram, which is also at Save Me an Isle Seat. So we're moving on up in the socials. 
Yeah. So come interact with us. Come interact. Engagement. Woo! Okay, so I believe that wraps up our promotional stuff for this this little chunk. So how about we seduce our way into acting? No? Okay. Uh, Uh, We can just dance our way into acting. You know, I thought about Tango our way into acting. That's easy. (laughs) Jukebox our way. I don't think we've used dance, though. You know, I don't think... Because I usually just come up with weird ones. We are weird. This has been pretty straightforward so far. Let's, let's go find our dukedom in Act 2. Nope. Nope, I don't Profess our love? Let's profess our love for Act 2. Kylie wins. <laughs> Yay! Do you keep these in or do you just edit out the one that we Sometimes keep? I will edit out the stupid ones. Okay. Yeah. So all it of depends mine? On the episode, uh. No, not, sometimes I, I do keep like our, our back and forth in there if they're funny. Like, they're funny to us, but to other people they might not be, so. I'm glad you find us funny sometimes. Sometimes, yes. And stupid other times. So we do a time jump here where it is two months later, and rehearsals are fully underway for Bohemian Rhapsody. Behind the scenes, Christian and Satine are still seeing each other. Santiago ends up falling in love with Nini, and these take place in a backstage romance. Tensions begin to rise between Toulouse-Lautrec and the controlling Duke. Backstage, Nini warns Satine to be careful about her secret relationship to keep the Duke happy. Apparently, he once threw acid in the face of another woman who betrayed him. So, uh, so he's nope. a really rational and great guy. Yeah. Got it. Listens to reason. Mm-hmm. Satine tells Christian that their relationship is dangerous for them and the Moulin Rouge. He counters her worries by writing a secret love song to affirm their love in Come What May. Mm-hmm. And this is the song that you probably know from the show. Yeah. Everyone knows the song. It's Not so me. good. You probably do, Kylie. <laughs> In the Champs Elsice neighborhood, the Duke expresses he wants every part of Satine, which includes her heart. So I. I... At least he kind of cares about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just wants to cover it all in acid. <laughs> all of it. Uh. She insists that she does not fit in with the upper class society of Paris, but the Duke ignores her and remodels her image. So, not doing so great. This takes place in Only Girl in a Material World. Back in rehearsals, the Duke continues to insert himself in the creative aspects of the show, which aggravates Toulouse-Lautrec, which, yeah, fair, fair. Mm-hmm. It becomes clear that the Bohemian Rhapsody is a metaphor for Christian, Satine, and the Duke, resulting in an outburst from Christian because, man, how did he not see it before? He was blinded by love. The Duke is enraged by this and threatens to withdraw his investment. <gasps> Zidler reminds the team that she alone can fix this, which, uh... Unfair. It's your business, my dude. Mm-hmm. Satine's illness worsens, but she has her colleagues keep it a secret so she can fight to keep the Moulin Rouge alive. Toulouse-Lautrec and Santiago tell Christian he should forget about Satine and move on with his life. Christian drinks his frustrations away by imbibing absinthe in excess, at one point imagining Satine as the Green Fairy in the song Chandelier. Wow. Mm-hmm. Christian is, of course, jealous and disgusted by Satine being with the Duke instead of him. He ignores Zidler's warning that falling in love with someone who sells themselves always ends badly in the song El Tango de Roxanne. Which is... This is the one that I remember the most. Yeah. It's a good song. That's super good. At his castle, the Duke threatens Satine that she should never again be with Christian. The Duke threatens to have Christian killed. Which is a bit of an overreaction, my dude. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Christian interrupts their conversation to try and save Satine, singing their secret song. 
Which, this scene, all I can picture is him, like, kicking down the door to the Duke's castle and singing. <laughs> that's all I can picture. I'm sure that's not how it plays oh. out. Yeah, but that's, that's how I want He's to actually just a bard. Yeah. Basically, yes. <laughs> and uses his powers of suggestion. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Satine knows that the Duke will kill Christian, so she tells him that she does not love him. And uh, Christian leaves. Which is a really sad part. Where is that? Sad boy hours. Sad boy hours. This song is so sad. Christian decides that without Satine to love him, his life means nothing. <sighs> Which, again, a little extreme, but oh well. He decides that during the opening act of the play, he will load a prop gun with a real bullet and kill himself on stage. Okay. Yep. Meanwhile, Satine's disease dramatically worsens. Still, with the aid of Toulouse-Lautrec, they stand up to the Duke, who leaves before the performance begins in the song Crazy Rolling. As the play begins and Satine performs her part, Christian enters and asks her to face him as he points the gun at himself, which, way to traumatize the person you love. Yay! However, before he can pull the trigger, Satine sings their secret love song, revealing that she has loved him the entire time. Wow! Well, <gasps> ah! After the two perform their song together, reaffirming their love, Satine tells Christian to tell our story. And then she dies in his arms. Oh. What a way to do it. What yep. a way. Wow. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh... <laughs> This takes place in your song, Reprise. Sad. Sad boy hours. Over a year later, Bohemian Rhapsody has turned out to be a success, and Zidler has regained control of the Moulin Rouge. Christian affirms that his and Satine's story will forever be told in the song, Come What May, Reprise. And that is the end of the show. That's it. That's it. Sad. So sad. Sad. So it was like almost a Romeo and Juliet situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them died. He could have killed himself. Yeah. Which I kind of expected he was planning that on it. how it was going to go. Yeah. But he's living for her. Wow. Only one death in this musical? Wild, right? Crazy. Mm-hmm. I know. Wow. With a setup like this, you would have expected, like, the Duke at least maybe to get stabbed. Mm-hmm. We all hoped. Uh, <laughs> Someone to be poisoned. Someone was going to be poisoned, you know. Multiple gunshots. Yeah. Maybe a strangling. That's something I never mentioned. This one doesn't have a mama warning. Nah. This the music is all very you know it's pop music so like yeah. nah. I mean there's there's like there's a lot of suggestive themes obviously. Uh, all the the cabaret performers are prostitutes, so. And it's saucy. It's very saucy, so probably not the story itself not for kids, but the music is fine for pretty much everybody. So mama allows. a mama suggestion. <laughs> mama has probably heard this one. She's probably seen the movie. I, I would imagine she yeah. has. So yeah, so that is the end of the show. What do we feel about this one as a whole? It's pretty cool. I do like it. Like Kylie said, it wasn't for her, but I, I like the spins on songs you're already familiar with. Yeah, I like pop music. Yeah, they're they're solid songs, so easily recognizable. Mm-hmm. But also to be like, wait a second. This isn't exactly the same. Yeah. So you get interested. It's cool. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that likes to listen to music and put stories to them. Mm-hmm. And so this one really appealed to me because it did what my brain can't do on its own. It took all these things and mushed them together with a very good story. Fair. So I really like this one. Squish. And I, I like how they adapted it for the times. I like these because stories don't need to be super complicated with with major twists. Like, you probably could have seen most of this coming. Yeah. But even if you did, still a good time. Still a good story. What do you think about it, Amber? I've liked this this one for a while, because obviously the movie 
I've always been a fan of, and, like, I have it on DVD, and I watch it often-ish. <laughs> and I remember actually seeing Aaron Tveit, like, start posting about Moulin Rouge. I think he... I don't remember correctly, but I think he was, like, singing covers of the songs and stuff, like, wanting to be in it. Oh. And then, like, got the chance to actually be in it. So, like, that was a big deal for him. That's super cool. cool. Um, yeah. So Nice. Yeah, so he's great. And, yeah, like, this seemed like it was a dream role for him. Then he got to play it. Yeah. Um, I think there's even, like, a music video or something out of him singing Come Up May, maybe? So that's really great if you get a chance to see that. Yeah. Well, hopefully he gets to hop back onto it whenever they when make, it comes their, back make out. their return. Yeah, I sure hope so, because he didn't really get to play it for that long. Like, he was with it all the way from the workshops, which is super cool. Yeah. But to not have, like, to be able to go as many places and, you know, have a Broadway. Long, yeah, long for run. a long time. Yeah, I really hope that he gets to come back for that. I'm sure and they'll approach him first. That might that might even draw even more, like, newer audience. Because, mm-hmm. like, people will be like, oh, what's this one about? It's like, well, the music's, like, pop song. So people will be yeah. like, oh, I can I can get behind that. So it appeals a lot more to a non-music audience. Yeah, I would, I would probably recommend this one for if you're, like, trying to work someone into musicals. Because this one is relatable. They can recognize the songs. And it still has a good storyline. It's very different from a lot of regular musicals, but it, it might be a good, like, starting point. It's like, listen, not all musicals are the same. You're going to like some, you're going to hate some. It's, you know, like any other genre. Yes. So. And uh, with all the ones we've covered, there is a musical for somebody. True. Yep. <laughs> Including you Bono fans out there. <laughs> yeah. Who <Are> we trashed <laughs> on? <laughs> sorry about it. Anyway. Oh, hey, you can like Bono. Liking Bono is not a bad thing. I just didn't. Like it but what he did to Spider-Man, Spider-Man <laughs> was not a thing. Unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a good show. We do recommend listening to it. Uh, definitely watch the film. It is, you know, easily accessible. It's been out since 2001. You can find it, you know, for it's... sure. And listen to the updated music and see if you, if you like the comparisons. If you don't, you know, you might like the older songs. Totally fine. Just, you know, give it a listen and make your own judgments on that. And if yeah. you were in the lucky few that actually got to see this when it was on Broadway before COVID, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm curious. I do want to see this one if it comes back through. I'd be down. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how it plays out on stage. I usually like the way, like the style that cabaret shows tend to go. Like, obviously it's kind of more for a mature yeah. style yeah. or audience, but they're usually very entertaining. Yes. And so, yeah, having very the whole... Very over-the-top, very... Yeah. Mm-hmm. very Exaggerated cool. movements, yes. but also having complete control of your body is is Super really, cool. really cool to see. So they obviously put in a lot of work. So, yeah, seeing it on a stage... Will be neat. Will be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so thanks for, for listening, you guys. We just have a couple of things to wrap up. Did you know that we are on a bunch of different platforms for podcasts? So, wherever you are listening to it, you can just search up Save an Isle Seat. We should be there, all of our shows, so we would really appreciate if you like and subscribe wherever that is. That'll make sure that you get up-to-date notifications on whenever we post new episodes. And yeah, it's just really nice. We always really appreciate any solid reviews. We do. For the most part, that is going to be people's like first interaction with us. At least I do that when I'm looking for new stuff, is I immediately yeah. look at reviews. User, user reviews. Yes. So we would really appreciate some solid words, but... Yeah, we we appreciate we like all you guys that have done that already. Thanks. Thanks. And if you happen to be on Apple, please leave us a five star review. It helps boost us in the numbers. Yeah. And so, we like the numbers. Yeah, Apple's one of the we like f- good numbers. It's one of the few places that you can actually leave reviews. 
So that really helps us if you if you end up on there, even if you're not an Apple user. So as I mentioned before, the best way to help us out is through word of mouth. So please tell everyone that you know, friends, family, coworkers, anybody will listen to you. Just tell them to listen to us because we're great. Do it. Do it. And we really appreciate any bump in those numbers because we are getting up there and we will probably hit 1600 before this episode is actually officially released. We're really looking forward to that. So thanks. It's it's absolutely crazy that we are already at like half of last year's numbers within the first month of 2021. Yeah, you guys are amazing. So thanks. we yeah. hugely appreciate you guys. Like That is Without insane. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and big stuff is coming. We promise. We can only do this because of you guys. So, we look forward to giving you more stuff in return. Yeah. And, of course, we are currently expanding our social media presence. You can find us just about anywhere. Of course, we have our Twitter, Save an Isle Seat. We also are starting up an Instagram at Save Me an Isle Seat. And we have a Facebook page at Save Me an Isle Seat. So, look us up, interact with us. We want to chat with you. Or if you, I guess, want to reach out a little more privately, we do have an email. And that's Save Me an Isle Seat at gmail.com. So send us memes, send us your favorite Broadway songs. If there's a show you want us to cover, let us know and we'll work it into our schedule. Yeah. If you want to write an essay about why you love Bono and Spider-Man, please go ahead. Go go for it, man. We will listen to your hey, opinion. Hey, I'll, I'll try to convince listen. us. Yeah. yeah. Dramatic readings. Dramatic readings. We might. We just might. Don't test, test us. We do have other shows within our network, which is the Ragtag Network, which includes things like Bag of Bones, which the mama produces, Elizabeth Bougere. She talks about, like, history and the darker side of all that, which is super fun and cool. Like, a lot of ghosties and serial killers. I really enjoy it. We also have Total Tom Foolery, which is a D&D podcast, which Matt and I are both involved in. We also have a new show coming out called Isolation Theater, where we present to you different forms of media, like plays and poems and, and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to that big project. And you can keep track of all those shows and all upcoming events at www.ragtechnetwork.com. Or you can look up Ragtag Network on all the socials as well. We did mention on our one-year anniversary that our YouTube channel is going to be coming up soon, so keep an eye out for that. That will also just be under the Ragtag Network. We will upload any of our podcasts onto that network, which includes all of the ones under the umbrella, as well as future visual projects. So we are looking forward to expanding, and we really appreciate your support in doing that. And we hope that you will like what we put out in the future. So thanks. Yeah. 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 But I believe that will wrap up this episode of Save Me an Isle Seed. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, yo, see you later. Oh, you're fired again. <laughs> <laughs>